Hey, podcast family. Did you know that on May 2nd and 3rd, 2024, our 3D Growth Summit is happening in Nashville, Tennessee? But in-person tickets are already sold out with nearly 400 attendees. But you don't have to miss out. You can get exclusive access to our live stream and post-event recordings for just $395. Yes, you heard that right. For a single fee, you and your entire dental team can learn from our industry leaders with online recordings available after the event. So secure your spot now before it's too late by visiting www.3d-dentist.com slash 3D Summit or give us a call at 855-332-2285 and get your tickets for the live stream and event recording today. Now, let's get to this week's episode. Welcome to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal, where our goal is to change the way you practice dentistry by helping you achieve clinical, financial, and personal balance. Now, here's your host, T-Bone. Okay, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of T-Bone Speaks. I hope you guys are having a great day. And I have a great topic today and a wonderful guest. You know, my goal is for each of us to stop doing fillings and crowns because I don't think they pay well and I don't think they're professionally satisfying after some period of time. So over the past uh, six months or so on my blog and through our podcast over the last month or so, we've talked about uh, sleep apnea as a way to grow your practice, dental implants as a way to grow your practice, medical billing as a way to get better reimbursements for your practice, and the journey with implants along the way in terms of more complex implant cases, digital hybrids, along the, you know, all those things, you know, complex cases with your CEREC machine. But today I want to introduce something that probably is going to be very new to each of you and certainly was very new to me. And what I'm finding is, uh, you know, my goal is to create more money, more time and more professional satisfaction. So how great would it be if we can find something that allows us to work less, allows us to produce and collect more and allows us to really change people's lives. And that's really what we want to talk about today. So today I'm going to introduce a fabulous person and the concept of using tongue ties and the effect that tongue ties have on uh, human beings, uh, whether they're caught early in childhood development or even caught late, and the role it plays. And today we are going to be joined by Joanne Pell. Joanne was born in England. She told me where in England she was born, and I didn't understand it. Those English people have all these names. It's not just, I wasn't just born in XYZ City. I was born in XYZ City, County, State, and then England. I was just too much stuff for me. But then she was raised in Australia, in Sydney, Australia, and she actually got her dental degree there in Australia. It's a BDS. Uh, it's a six-year program straight out of high school to achieve your BDS. Actually, in most uh, countries outside of the United, outside of North America, that's what it is. In fact, my dad is a BDS from India. And then she moved to the United States in 2011, and she has developed a lactation program in several offices. And uh, Joanne, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, thank you. Oh, I forgot to mention, if you haven't picked it up yet, uh, being from England and Australia, she talks unbelievably funny. <laughs> to which you'll all get a great example of, I'm sure. Right. But you know, you moved here to North Carolina as well. And do you find that people talk funny here? 
I actually find the accent here quite neutral, to tell you the truth. Neutral? Yes. I mean, when so I... So when I talk like this and I talk y'all. real slow and y'all, you find that neutral? Well, the thing is, you don't sound quite as prevalent with that than what the folk do in Nashville, Tennessee, for the example, folk. which is where we just came from. Where did you get the word from. folk from? Folk? Well, that's a word that we all use all around the world. Please. <laughs> she just learned what bless your heart means. Well, yes, and I won't be using that very often here now, will I? <laughs> I can't believe that you've been in the United in the South for a couple a year or so or two years and nobody's told you what bless your heart means. Well, no one said it, no, no. So I feel quite enlightened today to, to know the true meaning of that. So, yes, I shan't be saying it. Well, uh, Joanne was introduced to me by a good friend, Holly Bryant, who will be on the podcast here in a little bit. And, and t- today is my first time meeting Joanne, and today's Joanne's first time meeting me. And I figure I would get a podcast recording from her before she decided that she would never come back again. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, as soon as I meet her, I'm just straight who I am. Like, what's your deal? What are you trying to do? Where are you after? What's your goal in life? Like, who cares who you are? I mean, where are you from? I don't care. Just do that. So, Joanne, who are you and why should people know you? Who am I and why should people know me? Well, first of all, my true friends call me Joe. Joanne is when I'm in trouble. So we'll just say... Like I said, Joanne. Yeah, oh, I'm in trouble. (laughs) Okay, well, let's just not even entertain that thought. Okay. So yes, who am I? I, I, to me, what I'm passionate about and what I want to be known at is, is knowing that I'm trying to, as we're talking about the lip and tongue ties, particularly in infants, I really want to get the word out there, particularly to practitioners here in North Carolina and certainly further afield. I'd really like to get the word out, you know, potentially throughout America. And for people that are interested in this and particularly the people that want to add this to, to their production, because there's such a need for this in the community. Everyone's having babies. Babies really? are popping. Everyone. I, I don't. I don't know if they know where they're coming from here. So, so we're you not know. China. We don't have limitations <laughs> on how many babies. Well, you I was can going have. to say. I think we should have some limitations. To be quite frank, some of the things I've seen popping out. But anyway, all that aside. That in itself creates such a wonderful opportunity for our practitioners out there because here we have a procedure that is just slowly getting more recognized here. And I feel that I have the tools to be able to help people with getting this implemented into their practices, understanding how it all works, how they can add that to the production. And hopefully in all of that, the key point is helping these dear mothers and families in in our communities. So that is what I'm passionate about. Good. So tell me, why have I never heard of this before? And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty out there. I'm pretty, you know, up to date. And when I first heard about this tongue tie business and that the dentist can do it and that all of this stuff and what all it affects, I mean, tell me, why should I, why should my listeners even give a crap about tongue tie babies? Well, that's the thing. I mean, it, it's not something that was really ever on anyone's radar. And I mean, dental school, medical school, you don't really learn about it per se. You're not sort you don't of, really you, what about it? You don't, you don't learn about it. You learn? Don't, you don't study it. No, learn. Yeah, that word learn. But you know, all that aside... I'm making fun of you. I yes, apologize. I know. And I'm trying to keep a straight face here. You're not making it very easy for me. But all that aside, I mean, why this is becoming such a thing that's known now is that 20 odd years ago, mothers would have their children if they couldn't quite breastfeed well doesn't matter go straight to the bottle straight to the bottle you know there's obviously a g- generations of people out there that have lip and tongue ties but it was dismissed it wasn't something that people even bothered with why we're seeing such a prevalence now in our society is that 
everything is breast is best. These mothers are all encouraged. As soon as they pop out that little one, bang, you have got that to your chest. You are breastfeeding that child. Now, that's why things are being seen now more so than what they were 10, 15, 20 years ago, because these mothers are encouraged to breastfeed. You've got lactation specialists, got all these people on hand in the hospitals to guide those mothers on how to feed their their babies. And they're the ones seeing, well, hang on a minute, something's not right here. That child's not latching properly. Now, why isn't that child latching properly? And then bit by bit, it's been slowly uncovered that we're seeing, well, hang on a minute, we're seeing this attachment under the lip. We're seeing this attachment under the tongue. What's this all about? And this is why we're now at this point that up until now, I don't think there really was much. To me, it was a very gray area. I don't think people really sort of bothered with it. Whereas now we've got hundreds of thousands of women out there that are all affected, you know, with their babies, with the lip and tongue ties. So yes, it's an absolute opportunity for, for the dental community to get on board with that. And I and I think, as I mentioned, you know, it's a, it's a marvelous way to one, help the community and two, potentially add to your production. Okay. So I want to build a story today. Okay. A, I want to tell them what this affects, what's in it for them and all of those things, what the treatment is. But before we do that, let's get to the meat of it And because I want to I I give the listeners a reason to listen, okay? So let's pretend you believe all this stuff. You're a listener. You believe me because you should believe me because I've, I don't lie to you. I've, I've only helped you guys, okay? So what's in it for the practitioner from a pure business practice perspective? Okay, so what's in it for the practitioner? I mean, obviously, you need to get your, your word out there that you want to be doing this procedure. Now, and what, what is this procedure? Well, the procedure is essentially working with what we would describe to me as the best method is a diode laser. For example, a Picasso light laser, which is readily available for minimal cost. You're welcome, cost. Alan Miller. Yes, Alan Miller. I do hope you're going to send me a commission check for this when I do finally meet you because I do plug your laser to everyone. But quite frankly, it is the best laser. And the thing why I like that laser, it's the most cost-effective a laser. You don't need to be forking out, you know, fifty, sixty thousand bucks. You can fork out what less than five thousand yeah, for the little Picasso yeah. light, and that is all you need because it's the wattage that you need. And as I said, that laser, when we deal with the babies, particularly the little ones, you're finding that they're not physically even feeling that laser as it passes. Yes, postoperatively they'll have that slight bit of stinging as such, but it really is the best method to be able to address these frenulum attachments. Okay, so what we're talking about is using a laser, preferably a diode laser, to do a a tongue tie release, a lingual phrenectomy. And then a label, yep, and labial. And oftentimes a yep. labial one on the maxilla. Yeah. Now, on average, what kind of, without being unbelievable, I don't want to use names and stuff like that, okay? Uh, tell me what kind of fees are associated with these procedures. Well, that's the thing. The, the fees, as far as your medical dental insurance billing, for example, the, the fees that I think the American Dental Association set for this procedure is per labial per lingual $650. So 650 bucks. And would you say that the vast majority, what, what percentage of patients have medical insurance coverage for this? Well, that's the thing. We find that the majority of the patients do have the medical insurance. Does deductibles and things apply for something like this? Yes. Depending on what you're in network with, depending what your practice has you know, already implemented as far as the insurances that you're in network with, you might find, and again, your insurance coordinator, for example, would have to do the research to your relevant insurances that you have to see what the out-of-pocket cost would be. 
But the worst case scenario, the out-of-pocket for, for most of these procedures is about 40%. Okay. Um, again, if they don't have the medical insurance, you can set up what we call a self-pay scenario for these patients because when you're getting a, a mother that's in great distress and under duress and they need this procedure done yesterday because their child is not putting on weight, you know, you have to act in haste. You have to be the one to be seen to help these people. So because of that, yes, if they don't have insurance, for example, or there's issues with insurance, you can say, look, this is what we're going to do for you today. We're going to do the procedure for you and we're just going to charge you 650 for both. Okay. So on typically you're saying that these can be a fee of $650 per arch. Ultimately. Mm-hmm. And even if we call it four, let's, let's just for ease sake and for being conservative, let's call it 500 bucks an arch. Mm-hmm. Okay. And most of the time medical insurance is going to pay a significant portion of it. And truthfully, uh, what mother, if they have financial means, is not going to want to do this? That's exactly right. You find because they are under duress and they're obviously very anxious that, you know, there's very rarely scenarios where a patient won't physically pay that fee if they have to. Okay. And, and these, obviously, all, the other thing is, is that these patients aren't just sitting in a practice. I mean, most, most people aren't seeing patients that are two, three, four, six months old in dental practices. So where are the dentists acquiring these patients from? Well, that's the thing. The, the dentists are essentially getting these, you know, the patient flow from lactation consultants that work with these patients when they first... I didn't even know what a lactation consultant was. Yes. And that's the thing. There's a whole market out there for lactation specialists now. And, and that's, again, become quite prevalent with the whole breastfeeding environment. And so your lactation consultants, you've got ENTs, you've got the pediatrician doctors, and you've got, you know, literally the nurses in the hospitals we're finding as well, the ones that are helping those mothers to learn to breastfeed, they're also identifying these issues. So, you know, there's a plethora of all these people on board that essentially the ones that we can use as as a a referral source, but we have to obviously be tapping into where these sources are and to generate these sources by actively putting your name out into the community to, to derive these sources for sure. And what would you say in a typical community? Let's use Raleigh, for example. How many dentists are doing this type of treatment? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, podcast family. T-Bone here to talk about the 3D Dentist Digital Implant Continuum. Are you ready to start placing dental implants but feeling a bit hesitant and or overwhelmed? I know that feeling. I've been there. Let's change that together. Imagine not just learning about dental implants in a classroom, but actually performing surgeries on real patients right here in North Carolina, guided every step of the way by our expert 3D mentors. This is dental implant learning at its best, using techniques that are safe, predictable, and confidence boosting. They're exactly what I use in my own practice, so you know they work. Our course goes beyond clinical skills. We prepare you to successfully integrate high-demand implant services into your practice, transforming your career by attracting new patients and elevating your practice. And it doesn't end with the course. Completing our program is just the beginning of a new journey. You'll be a part of a community of confident, skilled dentists with ongoing support to ensure lasting success and growth. After all, this is about mastering a skill that can transform your career just like it did for me. So, are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Visit www.3d-dentist.com, check out our upcoming sessions, and join us to revolutionize your practice. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. 
Now let's get back to this week's episode. Unfortunately, very few. In Raleigh itself, I I don't know there might be a few operators out there that are just doing a little bit of it that I'm not aware of. But to my knowledge, there's only one in Raleigh that does this. Okay, so so the great news is there's tremendous opportunity for dentists to be on the forefront. And one of the things I always talk about in, in our speaking and our lectures and on the podcast is you don't want to be reactive in your practice. You'd rather be proactive in your practice. So one of the things that's really saved me and allowed me to be on the forefront is that I'm more proactive. I'm already looking at, hey, the implant business. Like for example, I look at implants. And five years ago, we were doing, we we're still doing great numbers of implants, but they were much easier implants and there were less and less people doing implants. But as the prevalence of technology increases, as, you know, for example, we've trained so many people in the area. And as we've trained more and more people, more and more, more and more practices are providing implant therapy. So I see that implant therapy is going to be a tougher ball game for me to participate in or compete in because there's just more providers. And then, so then I looked at sleep as that avenue. And sleep apnea, again, right now, that's hot. I mean, that's one of those things that very few practitioners are doing. And now what I'm trying to introduce is the concept of uh, these tongue ties and phrenectomies for, you know, it's not just infants, and we'll get into that, infants, young, but young children, you know, adolescents, even adults, for, uh, for example, as a, a procedure that even fewer and fewer people, I mean, way less people are doing. So ultimately, what I want our listeners to do is, I need you to start thinking fast forward, okay? I always talk about you got to have three eyes. In, in the Indian culture, we believe you have a third eye. And one, one eye, to me, one of your eyes is focused on the short term. That's what's going on today, tomorrow, and the next week. Then you got one eye focused on the medium term. And, term, and that's, that is what's going on next month, the month after, and the next six months. And then I believe you have to have your third eye, and that your third eye needs to be focused on where am I going to be and what am I going to need, need to be doing the next 12 to 18 to 24 months to make sure that I'm always going to be on the forefront of what's going on. And, and to me, that's what this is about. So talk to me about the age ranges of patients. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you know, when you're looking at the infant phrenectomies, for example, you can have a baby literally come straight to the hospital to you. Now, one in my experience was literally 12 hours old, come straight from the hospital. Why they came straight from the hospital is that they had another child that had the lip and tongue tie, and they knew straight away that this child would also have it. Because it is a genetic predisposition, she knew straight away, I need this address now because she didn't want to have issues with breastfeeding later. So really as young as coming straight from the hospital as soon as that child's born up to any age, you know, lip lip and tongue tie is not restricted just to infants, just to children, you know, below the age of 13, what have you. I mean, you can have adults to which even I think my lovely doctor here sitting next to me needs one, a nice little posterior tongue tie going on right there. So that's a thing. It, it's, it's ageless. So even though I am focusing on, you know, my passion is the infant phrenectomies and to get the word out there about infant phrenectomies, there's an absolute need in, in our community for, for all ages of, of this procedure. So it's not something that should be just looked upon, oh, I can only do babies or I can only do adults, well, there's no reason why you can't do all ages and introducing this to your practice. So tell me this, why is getting a tongue tie important for infants or any, uh, let's just say for, let's focus on the vast majority of the patients are going to be uh, infants and, and children, let's say. So why do they need this done? 
Well, that's the thing. Why they need it done, and when they when they obviously they're born and they're wanting to breastfeed, and these mothers can't. I mean, there's there's a number. It's what I really describe as a multifactorial. Why can't thing. they breastfeed? They can't breastfeed because that child is unable to latch sufficiently. Now they they are not able to latch because of frenulum attachment, usually under the lip, also under the tongue, prevents one their tongue to, to be in the position it needs to to be able to latch. And of course, with the lip, if they've got that tightness and that attachment, they're not able to flange their lips to be able to get to the breast to be able to latch on sufficiently. So because of that, they end up with a weak and shallow latch. They're they're not able to latch on. So, you know, they're struggling, they're fatiguing, and quite often the whole thing ends in tears. And really for the mother, the mother's symptoms are even more worse. You know, you're bringing home a new baby and because they can't latch properly, these children are chomping at the poor mother's breast, causing all sorts of issues with mastitis and things like that. Like, it's really not a pleasant time for all. And that's why, again, when these poor dears present, you know, you you have to show that great sympathy to them for the fact they're really very miserable. What does it matter that the baby can't latch on very well? Can't they just go to a bottle? I mean... Well, that's the thing. They can. And obviously with the bottles, you know, you can get the different teats that go on the bottles that are slightly larger and you can get all the, the dimensions here. But the thing is, ultimately, you know, these mothers want their babies to breastfeed. And that's why they want to have these issues addressed, because bonding with their child in that way far surpasses, you know, shoving a bottle in its mouth. But even with the bottle feeding, some of the babies struggle with that as well. Right. So... But this goes way beyond just the bond of the mother and the child and way beyond just the antibiotics in the breast milk. This Mm -hmm. is about development as well, correct? Absolutely. So talk to me about the development that occurs or the non-development that occurs when you're not able to latch. Well, 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 that's the thing. I mean, fundamentally, you, you're seeing that one, these children are going to fall below the weight percentile as well if they're not able to latch properly and they're obviously not getting the nutrition that they need. And that's a key thing. That, that's the thing that distresses everyone the most in this is that, you know, if they've got a baby that at three months old has dropped back to birth weight, for example. So, you know, that's really quite traumatic for all concerned when you see that. So with the developers as well, by leaving these things, you know, one, ultimately, they're, they're obviously, yes, we've worked out. They're not going to feed properly. There's going to be all sorts of issues, you know, with, again, as they develop their age and they get to that age where they're starting to develop with solid foods. They've got gagging reflexes. They've got speech issues that are all affected with, you know, the facial contour being so tight. Can be chiropractic issues with neck and shoulders. There's all these things. And particularly with the children that as they develop and they've left with a labial frenulum, you're going to see the deciduous teeth come through with little gaps. That's going to, you know, also set up an oral hygiene issue. They're not going to be able to clean the teeth adequately, which ultimately can lead to systemic decay in the buccal surface of the kid's teeth. So there's all these things like a little domino effect of symptoms, unfortunately, that if this is all left, you know, you you see these things as the children grow that, you know, can cause issue, behavioral issues with the children as well. If this is left from birth and you get these toddlers, we find that a lot of the children have behavioral issues because of it too. And would you say or talk to us about how some of these behavioral issues are, are, are related to sleep apnea and how uh, the tongue tie and the tongue is a part of the arch development and the tongue spacing and airway development, or these patients sometimes become mouth breathers and then the adenoids and tonsils and 
all, all of these things. So talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, see, that's all part of it as well. You know, we're, again, the, the thing about particularly, you know, when you've got these posterior tongue ties and you've got the tightness in their face and all of that can obviously hinder the development of how the child's, you know, the face as it grows. And, you know, again, it's it's, it's affecting the jaw. It's affecting just, uh, you know, the, the anatomy of their face. And, and again, that's that's something up until now that was not really sort of researched very much either. You know, the, 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 the example I like to use on this is how, you know, back in the 80s and early 90s, everybody was into bicuspid extractions and retraction mm. of teeth and the development of the arches there. And rare, very rarely do we see that happening anymore. And as we do more and more research, as, we, as the medical community, the dental community, uh, as they do more work into this, what they're finding is when you have a restriction of the tongue, the tongue is not able to fill the palate. When the tongue doesn't fill the palate, the arch doesn't develop properly. We don't get that intermolar spacing, you know, which typically be somewhere in the 35 millimeter, maybe a little bit more ballpark. And a lot of that has to do with the tongue. Or we see these tongues that are scalloped because the mandible hasn't been able to expand. And all of these things, what happens as the tongue gets bigger, as the arches don't expand and the tongue is, you know, prospectively bigger, now their tongues aren't posturing forward. Now the tongues, when they're sleeping, they're tied back and they're falling backwards when we fall back to sleep. And now they're starting to create these obstructions. And when we start having these obstructions at such young ages, now that obstruction leads to lack of oxygen, lack of deprivation that way. And these these young kids, you know, when you see kids, they have these bags. They just have this look underneath their eyes, this look of tiredness. And we believe, and I, I look, I'm not the scientific guy in this, but there's a lot of work and thought to this that this is one of the reasons we're seeing more ADD, ADHD, that we're seeing so many of these things going on is because developmentally, we're, we're working mother. And I don't want to be sexist in this way, okay, at all, uh, because my wife is a working mother, okay? But as working mothers, we're not lactating. We're not breastfeeding. We're not allowing that development to occur. And when we put people on the bottle and, you know, listen, we, we put two of our kids on the bottle, okay? And they, they don't develop properly. And then we're not doing interceptive orthodontics at that age of six or seven or eight. Because when I was growing up in dental school, we, we were taught that about 10, 11, 12 was the time to get orthodontics done. And now we're finding that six, seven, eight, because you want to expand that arch. You want to create that space. And what we're finding is if you catch these things even earlier in that infant or young, young child stage that you can through development of the tongue, that can also affect all of these things that are going on. That's, does that sound about right? Yep, absolutely. You've, you've hit it on the head, absolutely. And the, and the thing that so I really do know what I'm talking about. You you've, you you sound like you really know what you're talking about. That's I'm impressed. I was actually quite mesmerized for a moment listening to that. that. I have you, that effect you do, on, on, uh, on international women. Well, clearly, yes. I can't I can't have that effect on American women. Just <laughs> just international women. Oh, fair enough. No, but that's the thing. This is again why I feel the way I do about this because if you're intervening and literally at that infant age then look what you're preventing you know look what you're preventing to me that that's just a no-brainer isn't it you know if you can if you can help when they're just little tiny babies then that makes much more sense to me than having to do all the therapies and all the things that ultimately cost a lot more money for the families great for the practitioners obviously doing these services but you know i mean doing what's best for that child to me i think still has to come first well, listen at the end of the day i always preach that listen you got to love what you do and do what you love and do it for the right reasons you should never be money motivated okay it's not wrong to want to be successful it is i in my opinion is wrong to do things for the money and solely do things for the money. I think that is a uh, 
I think that's a little unethical personally. That's just my, my take on that. No, okay? and I agree with you with that. Yeah. So, okay. So now we've, we've built the story a little bit. We've talked about the benefits of doing this type of procedure. Again, doing using a laser to do a lingual or labial tongue tie release. Uh, we've talked a little bit about the average ages. We've talked about the economic benefits of it. Okay. So now you've got me and my listeners intrigued. Okay. So walk me through what is this? Okay. Listen, I got an insurance practice. I'm busy. I've got all kinds of fillings, crowns, implants, neuromuscular orthotics. I've got Invisalign, orthodontics, you know, surgeries. We've got sedation. We've got all kinds of stuff going on in our practice. Okay. So how in the world... I was going to say, how on earth are you going to fit it all in? Yeah. So so how in the world... Does this fit in a practice? Okay, so really the best way to to generate this and to implement it into your practice is to set it up as I describe as an overflow scenario. So you're not physically booking it as production time. You are setting it as an overflow column. So therefore you'll be seeing your standard patients, you'll be doing your restorations, doing your crowns, doing whatever you would normally do. But then in your overflow column, you would set these appointments in that every hour or so, depending on what your hours are that you have your practice open. And you're doing that where you're seeing your patients in one, room and then you're zipping across to the other room to be able to do the procedure. Now, the procedure itself, as you're probably already aware, literally only takes about 30 seconds to do, but your preparatory work, i.e. talking to the family about it, giving them the explanations, all of that, you obviously have a staff member that does that and then the practitioner will come in, do the treatment, leave the family just to settle down and then then they essentially leave. But you do need a good hour for that. And as I said, the most effective way to implement that is to have it as an overflow. Okay, so stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, podcast family. T-Bone here bringing you our newest live patient implant training, Full Arch Express. For dentists already placing implants and ready to level up and continue building their implant practice, this is the golden ticket. We're diving deep into Full Arch Implants, the hottest game changer in implant dentistry. In this program, we tackle both overdentures and all annex fixed hybrids, mastering techniques that are essential for modern, comprehensive dental care. It's about getting your hands on the tools and techniques that will replace the doubt and fear with confidence and predictability. Here's the kicker. There's live patient training right here in North Carolina. You're not just learning theories. You're in the operatory doing real work on real patient from start to finish, guided one-on-one by our expert 3D mentors. You'll learn the nuances of each approach, ensuring you can cater to a wide range of patients to maximize revenue. Speaking of revenue, with me, you know it's not just about the clinical skills. We're bringing business into this aspect too, teaching you how to integrate these advanced services profitably into your practice. So are you ready to rise up to the top in implant dentistry? Join us at the Full Arch Express. This isn't just another course, it's a career-defining leap. Head to www.3d-dentist.com to enroll in our next session. 3D Dentist is truly committed to helping dentists take control of their practice, finances, and future. Now, back to this week's episode. Now, let me translate that a little bit for us, okay? Um, So... Here's here's what the great news is, okay? So I can tell you based on how I was uh, uh, feeling about this was that, oh my God, it's overwhelming. Oh my God, I don't want to deal with kids. Oh my God, I definitely don't want to deal with mommies. 
Okay. But you said some key words there and that is you need, and, and this fits very well in, in my philosophy of, um, of how I teach and, and how I want people to develop their practices and how I want team members to develop themselves is you have to have a champion in the practice. Okay. And that person, hopefully a female, because that makes the most logical sense, uh, probably a female that's had children or probably maybe had, had these issues and maybe you've treated or had someone else treat, mm-hmm. uh, can be the champion. And that person needs to own this process. Okay. They need to own the patient from beginning to end. Absolutely. They need to be able to be there and be empathetic with the patient. Gaining their trust. Absolutely. Yeah, because listen, you're talking about a... It's their month. most precious cargo. It really yeah, is. You know, They're literally. handing you over their most precious thing that... Yeah. <laughs> so you need to have somebody in your office that's going to be able to do that. And, and the one of the things I look at is, you know, maybe you have that hygienist in a practice or maybe you have that assistant in your practice who, you know what? doesn't have physically have that ability to be working and, and working unbelievably hard four or five days a week anymore, or they're looking for something for that second part of their career, or they're even early in their career and they're like, you know, I don't want to be a, I don't want to do this forever. I want something more for myself and for my life. I want to have more professional satisfaction. And to me, you need to develop that person. So how does one go about developing this team member? Well, that's the thing. I mean, developing that team member, you you obviously need to have all the you know the instruction as to how they go about the presentation, and for them to to learn you know all the specifics about the procedure to be able to explain it eloquently to these families. So that's the thing. It's it's picking that person that you think would be the most beneficial you know to the practice to present this, who people obviously can engage very well with. That person really is going to be that shining light as far as this procedure is concerned that even with the follow-up phone calls and things like that, that is that key person that the families want to speak to, the family will engage with. So picking that person is, is key. Who will that person will be is very important. Okay, so what is this team member going to be doing? Like, what, what would their daily role be? Like, talk to me I don't want you to give talk about every little detail here, but no, you know, give me the basics. Just do of, a, a little what's synopsis. The, what's the visit? Look, hey, I'm I've I've gone out. We made a referral list, you know, relationship with lactation specialists or OBGYNs or ENTs even or birthing centers, uh, midwives, whoever mm-hmm. it may be. We've gone around and made these uh, relationships, mm-hmm. and now we start having patients call. Yes, they're calling in. So that's the thing. And how this is, how this is, um, you know, when when you get that first phone call again, it's your person on that front desk. That's your first point of reference. So you need that person to be. Oh yes, of course we'll be able to help you. You need that person to be very engaging, still to have some knowledge about all of this too. Because the thing about this is that these patients will start asking all these questions to that poor person that answers the phone. So if they don't know what they're talking about, that straight away is a bit of a red flag. So again, you need to train that staff so that are answering the team. phone. It's pretty much the entire team because really you've got your scheduling coordinator, for example, that would be doing these appointments. She needs to be absolutely in check with, with what she needs to know to be able to answer certain questions. If she can't answer those questions, then she really needs to direct those questions to what I feel. If you've got someone that's specifically in charge of this, i.e. your phrenectomy director, for example, those questions can then go to that person and that person will be the one to answer the more clinical questions, for example. But that scheduling person, yes, that phone call comes in, she's booking that patient in, she's getting as much information, i.e. health insurance, all that sort of thing, popping them in for that one hour of the overflow or your extra column, as you would say. And then from there, 
that patient might present, you know, the next day, the day after. You're bringing them into the room. You're going through the whole procedure as far as how it all works. You're talking to them firstly about all their symptoms and ticking off all those relevant symptoms. Then after you've pretty much presented everything, your practitioner would come in, do the diagnosis, which really only takes a few seconds. From there, he would also go through what we call the the lip and tongue stretching exercises that we have to do postoperatively. So that's a key thing in all of this is those exercises that we do. And then from there, they have the choice of having the procedure. Now, most often they will go ahead with that procedure straight away. That takes 30 seconds. It's all done. Baby is back with mum. Mum's happily feeding the baby. And then from there, you know, 20, 30 minutes later, they're coming out happy as Larry because straight away they can see. Happy as Larry. Happy as Larry. Oh, I knew I'd throw one in there for you. Because straight away they can see the baby. Usually it's instantaneous. Once they have that release, they see straight away when they're feeding the difference. And they feed right away. They usually feed straight away. Some of the babies, for example, that have had absolute latching issues that have really not latched at all, they're the ones that will have to be referred on to. And this is all part of what you would introduce to your team is knowing that you have lactation people that you can recommend to these patients as well. Because even though they've had this, if they've come not from a lactation consultant, they've been referred some other way, or they've just heard about you and they've identified themselves that they have issue, then you need to also have what I call that support not stop, it's support structure to be able to recommend them to say, yeah, hey, a t- a team now you, environment, yeah, exactly. your baby can't feed even though now we've done this procedure. Well, here's the name of this wonderful lactation consultant that's going to be able to help you. Help to, the, the baby pretty much has to learn how to feed. Or if the baby started to feed and then didn't do very well, had the procedure, they're reconditioning. They're, they're obviously that muscle memory. They're going to learn how to feed again. So having that support network as well is quite viable. That's fantastic. Okay, so walk us through the uh, process. So my patient makes a phone. the 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 patient the the mother makes a phone call. Uh, comes to the office for mm-hmm. an initial consultation. Yes, and you you would set your consultation that you certainly have the time to proceed because in all of this, but procedure proceeding is literally it's a it's a three four minute procedure. That's right, not even that for but the this, practitioner. Well, that's right. It is such an absolutely not much of your time, and and with the key in all of this is as I said because you're not having it as your production column. You are having this as something that you simply walk into that room, do the procedure, and then you walk out again. So it's not taking too much of your time to be able to do this. And then, yes, you're leaving that family with the staff. The staff then leave the family to their own devices so they can have that privacy, so they can just utilize that time to settle their babies. And then when they're good and ready, they will come out, come to your front desk and and check out with your staff. So it's really a very, very simple procedure and it's a very simple thing to schedule and to implement and I yeah that's why again I think people should consider it for sure okay so you know so let me talk a little bit about implementation to our listeners from you know the way I uh, plan on doing this and the way I would recommend is is I I believe that um, and, and I have a specific reason that I want to implement this way because I want to push people a little bit and and I personally I don't think this is something that we're going to start on a side column for us right away. Uh, the way I recommend, and I recommend that you, uh, and we'll link it in the show notes, I recommend that you guys listen to my podcast on implementing new procedures into your practice. But ultimately, the gist of it is is a new, what I call, quote-unquote, specialty procedure that you bring into your practice. You cannot bring that in into your day because a day is who knows what's going on in your operative chair, God knows what your hygienists are going to bring you and how many exams you have to do and if you're running a consult as well. So, And you don't know what emergencies are going to happen. 
So the way I believe in bringing new specialty procedures into a practice is that you need to set aside a day or an afternoon or a time period that where you are dedicated to this, where your mindset and mentality is, this is what I'm going to do. And the other thing that I found when I've done this in the past is that it really focuses my team on creating that as a special day, a special procedure, and it allows you to really become very good at what you do so much to the point that then this can become a procedure that you literally do in a side column. It's like I equate it to like doing a buckle pit. You could do that with your eyes closed, for God's sakes, right? You could do it right in the hygiene room. So at some point, these procedures graduate from being a quote-unquote specialty procedure that you have a set-aside day, afternoon, or time period for to something that becomes part of your everyday schedule. And ultimately, what this is going to do, it's going to allow your team members to really hone in and focus. It's going to take the pressure off of trying to juggle a new thing, something that you and your team members are maybe not clinically uncomfortable with, but management and leadership and communication uncomfortable with and allows you to just kind of relax. And the beauty of it is if you're a four day a week practitioner, give up one Friday morning a month. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And, th- and that's the thing I just wanted to touch on as well, is that you can set it up as I described, yes, as an overflow column, integrating it with your production, depending on the type of practice you have and how busy you are. Because again, if you're, if you, for whatever reason, you're not as busy as you want, this can supplement sure. your production. Absolutely. But it's then having said fillings. that, exactly. But having said that, you can also set it up as like a phrenectomy clinic. So you are getting all these mothers in on that specific day or on that, you know, two days, two afternoons. But the other idea as well that I have with this is that you can set it up as almost like a community clinic. Or a that group if you're session. exactly where you can have twenty mothers all come at once, you provide them the morning tea and you're looking after them exactly, and then you're giving them a lovely experience and then morning one tea. You sound morning Indian. tea. Morning tea or afternoon tea, depending. And then one by one those mothers go in to have their procedure and then when they've all come out they can all engage with each other, chat about it all, and have just a little gossip about the latest TV program, all of that. And you've provided that wonderful environment for them to do. So if you've got the space and you think that you could implement something like that, then that is a bit of a key thing too. For the cost of a couple of boxes of donuts and tea and coffee, and you've got 20 people all sitting there waiting to go, you do the sums on that as well. And it's really, again, if you've got the space, it's no hassle to really set that up, is it? And really, to me, the way the, the real benefit of this or the real way to stand out is bring the lactation specialists in, make it a community event, exactly. make it an educational event yep. where, you, where you educate the, the mothers and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, uh, Joe, uh, instead of Joanne, Joe. <laughs> um, oh, we're friends now? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not, you know. <laughs> She thinks this is some kind of audition or something. In fact, Joe didn't even know. She th- she thought we were going to listen. I, I we were been, gonna, I've been thought, thrown in the deep end without a paddle, folks. You thought we were going to watch the podcast. I was. I know because look at me. I'm, I'm a technology dinosaur. I mean, I, I won't tell you my age but you know at the end of the day yes she looks I've, like she's about 30 oh bless your cotton socks ah, there's uh, one. bless your heart well, bless your heart too well no 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 but all that aside at the end of the day i am a bit old-fashioned i'm still the one that takes the notepad and pen around for things you know there's still it still has its place it does <laughs> yeah so you know listen i, I want to wrap this up and, and joe thank you so much for being on here and and here's my message to the listeners okay uh, and number one, thank number one, thank you. Before I get into my message, thank you for listening to our podcast. I know you've got better things to do in life, but I don't believe you've got better things to do. Uh, you think you have better things to do, but thank you for listening to the podcast. Do me a favor, review us on iTunes, uh, share us in social media and to your friends. But you know what this does is, as well, the message I want to send to everybody is, when people invest in me, 
Okay, when you invest with 3D Dentist in our courses, in our medical billing course, in our sleep apnea course, my goal is to constantly improve and to bring you new procedures for your practice because I don't want to teach fillings and crowns. I want to teach you to do things that are unbelievably fun, things that make a difference, things that do just so much for you, where people are going to get up and hug you, where you're going to have beautiful mothers hug you and say thank you and send you... Send you lovely presents. Yes, yeah. and br- brownies to make me fatter and stuff Ooh, like that. Absolutely, you know? yeah. You know, and, and those are the things that I want you to get. And, and this is just one more thing that builds on to the medical billing that we're already doing in the practice that we're already teaching here. And, and, and Joe doesn't know it yet, but we'll be teaching this here at, at our office and our training center. We'll be teaching the TREAM training part of it. We'll be teaching the clinical part of it. You know, we'll bring you in. We'll allow you to do it, allow you to see it being done. Watch a live consultation. You know, we can bring the lactation specialist in and talk about how to build a referral network. We can bring our team of people together. And ultimately, that's what we're about. You know, we're about making your life better, making your professional life better, making your clinical life better, making your financial life better. And to make your financial life better, and we'll link this in the show notes, I want you to go back and listen again to our Practice and Personal Savings podcast that we did. I, I want to say it was roughly it was episode number three or four, but it is an important episode for you to listen to. And, and this builds on that. And so listen, if you've got interest in learning about this, just contact us. Uh, in fact, I'm going to set up a uh, text code that you can send us. If you send um, the, the text code lactation, L-A-C-T-A-T-I-O-N to the number 44222, again, that's lactation to the number 44222, We'll get on an email list and we'll put you in touch with Joe and we'll keep you in touch with all the other things that are going on here at 3D Dentists and specifically related to how we can add this procedure. And remember, practices are built not with a magic bullet idea, but a lot of little bullets that make a slow difference in your practice and allow you to implement and slowly, progressively. We don't want to create revolutions. We want to create evolutions in your practice. And thank you again for being a listener and a true fan of the podcast. Have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to T-Bone Speaks with Dr. Tarun Agarwal. Remember to keep striving for excellence and we'll catch you on the next episode. Hey, podcast family, T-Bone here. Are you a dentist looking to elevate your practice and profits? Then pay close attention. Introducing the 3D Business Mastermind, the dental business coaching program designed for dentists who want to see real results. I've walked the path of practice ownership for nearly 25 years. I know your challenges. I felt your pain. This is your opportunity to overcome the chaos, the busyness, and the financial frustrations of owning a dental practice. Imagine a dental practice where your appointment book is highly productive, doing the dentistry you enjoy, your team is self-motivated, and your profits keep climbing. That's what the 3D Business Mastermind is all about. In this exclusive mastermind, you'll join a league of ambitious dentists driven to elevate their practices. You'll gain access to proven strategies, personalized coaching, and a community that understands your journey. So if you're ready to supercharge your dental practice and enjoy the success you deserve, visit www.3d-dentists.com and take the first step towards a brighter future in dentistry by filling out the 3D Business Mastermind application. Now, let's get to this week's episode.